Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My name is Lon Sivan, by the way. I have a channel called Lon.TV. I live here in Connecticut and work out of my basement. It's a dream job. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm joined by a celebrity guest here. Bob, why don't you introduce yourself? I am uh, Bob from RetroRGB.com. I used to live in Connecticut for a giant portion portion of my life, and now I'm in Manhattan because apparently I don't like space or money. (laughs) (laughs) So I always find Manhattan a nice place to visit. So um, what we wanted to talk about today was uh, the, the Field Programmable Gate Array Revolution, or FPGA. And it's a topic of discussion. There's a lot of things going on, both commercially with the uh, analog consoles and some things that attach to them, and the MISTER project, which is an open source project. And um, we're going to briefly talk about the concepts, and then we're going to show you how all this stuff works. And uh, the best way to think of an FPGA is a hardware, and this is where we're going to get into the semantic arguments, uh, is a hardware simulation of the original stuff. So if you think about it, and correct me when I'm wrong on any Mm -hmm. one of these things, uh, if you think about software emulation, you're writing software to go in and try to uh, have an existing platform like Windows, Mac, or Linux uh, run these old games and kind of replicate in software what the hardware was doing. The challenge is, is that even though these consoles are old, they are really massively parallel computers. So, for example, the Sega Genesis had a 68,000 processor, a Z80 audio chip that was used for these master system stuff, and then you had all these audio and video chips all working together. And the best way, in my opinion, and I think maybe yours as well, sort of original hardware, is to create the logic to replicate exactly how the software worked. And that's what an FPGA does. There's some very smart people, way smarter than me, uh, who are able to look at the logic of how these chips operated, rewrite them in a language for these devices, and the result is you have near-perfect replication of the original, but you can then take the display and put it in an HD TV or projector or whatever else that's out there. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have Bob here is that he's an expert on input lag. And one of the things that I noticed when I first started playing with these consoles is that they felt more real to me because I was a kid of the 80s and 90s. And when I pushed a button, something happened immediately. And I couldn't put my finger on it. But I was noticing I wasn't as good at the games as I was when I started playing with them in emulation. And I thought it was maybe age, my age. But in fact, there's more to the story. Correct. So everything you just said is 100% spot on. Um, the only thing I'll add, just as a different perspective, is the way I like to think about it is it's software emulation and FPGA emulation have two things in common. Um, they're both giving you the experience of older consoles without any original pieces of that hardware in there. Um, but the only difference is that, just like Lon said, software emulation is a software layer running on top of an operating system. And FPGA emulation takes a chip and reconfigures it to mimic the chips of the original console. So theoretically, both could be perfect. Both rely on how good the programmer is, because it takes very smart people to do either one of those. But you could, with a much less powerful, in theory, FPGA, get a flawless recreation of these classic consoles, whereas you would need an extremely fast uh, PC in order to do software emulation that's as fast 
then there are certain things that you'll never be able to accomplish, like using original carts in real time through software, because even though it's milliseconds, it's still not exactly, whereas the FPGA can just, like a transformer, become the other console. It's really cool when you see it working on the Mister. So we're going to start real quick, though, on the analog console here. So we have the, uh, the Mega SG, and then on top of it, I have the Mega SD. I'm lucky I have an understanding wife and that I do this for a living now because I can, I can buy all this stuff. Um, you're looking at, what, about 400 and something for both of these two things? Yeah, it's yeah. You know, the analog consoles are like 240. I paid that much for it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the Mega SD is like 260. Now, and what's cool about this is that we have two FPGA systems working together here because remember, the Sega CD was almost a separate console in of itself. And what this cartridge does on this, but also on original hardware, is basically gives you a Sega CD. Uh, oops, I hit the wrong button here. Uh, gives you a Sega CD without the CD. It actually works all through the cartridge slot. And we've both done videos on this, so you can get more detail on it. And I'm going to um, play the definitive d edition of, of Sonic the Hedgehog CD. And I'm sure I'm going to get groans when you hear the music start up. But as you can see here, the console is basically thinking it's a Sega CD. The BIOS is loading up off of that. And what's happening here is these two FPGAs in concert are working to replicate the experience of what you would have had with original hardware. And it does it exceptionally well, including the CD audio. And there we got Sonic going. We get the start button and play the game and everything else. And what I love about the analog consoles is that you buy them, you put the cartridges in, and they work. Um, so I could play my old 30, 25-year-old cartridges on it. I can buy flash cartridges. They have a means in which now you can uh, use your um, flash cards on the side of it to actually load things in that way. Uh, Virtual Racers, Racing's working on it now, too, I think? Yeah, they, uh, they were able to get that working on the Mega SD. It's not perfect, I believe, but that's, it's good enough where it's, you know, now you get to use it through a flash card. So. And it's really cool stuff. So that's kind of the, the gist of this. Does that make sense to everybody? I just want to make sure everyone's kind of got the idea. Yes, you could do this on your Raspberry Pi for 35 bucks. Fine. I think, though, if you're noticing you're not as good at the games as you used to be, it's because your muscle memory remembers that this was a very different input lag situation. And I think that's generally the advantage here. Uh, and then, of course, there's some uh, authenticity things that you run into as well. Now, what I'm going to do next is show you the mister. And maybe, um, you know, we do this in the TV uh, business, yeah. we can do the... You can fill the time as <laughs> fill I the time. Yeah. Well, yeah, while you're setting that up, the um, the biggest problem with the latency isn't isn't that the Raspberry Pi has let's say four frames of lag. It's that it has between two and six. So there's no way you could ever just time your jumps or time your moves because it's constantly changing. And even though there's no way you could your hands could plan on three milliseconds or twenty milliseconds, it's just subconscious. Anybody, if any time you've seen a professional fighting game uh, being played, that you know, you'll know immediately what I'm talking about. So FPGA stuff, um, if programmed the way these are, there is zero latency consistently. And they work great every time. Now, what we've got here on screen is just some of the things that you have to get for a Mister, because Mister is a, is a collection of hardware, and it's a collection of open source projects that uh, work with this hardware. So what I've got on screen right now is something called the DE10 Nano. This is the heart of the system, isn't it? Correct. And so this board is used for mostly industrial purposes. You probably have an FPGA in your car that does car things, um, but they can also be programmed to become retro game consoles, too. And this part is the first component, but there's some other components, too. So let's pull up my webcam here so I can show you some of the other stuff here. So we've got this Mr. Thing. That's the, what is that, the I.O. board? Yeah, that's the first revision, uh, the current revision I.O. board, yes. 
And what do you do with the I.O. board? That's like analog out and that sort of thing? Right. So the, the DE10 Nano itself is actually a, desi- uh, a piece of hardware that Intel subsidizes. So if you were to just buy the FPGA chip on that device, it would be more expensive than the full thing that you get from Amazon. So that's a very powerful thing. And then the Mr. I.O. board is just simply tapping into what those chips on the DE10 Nano could already do. So the I.O. board adds a fan, obviously, adds three buttons, which are very handy because it reset console, bring up menu, reset the whole thing. And then, of course, you have the analog output, which could be component video, VGA. And I think you could even get adapters for composite in this video as well. So it's pretty complete. And that's something that may be optional, the I.O. board. You probably don't need the that I. if you're just doing HDMI. The I.O. board is completely optional if you're only doing HDMI output. Um, it is a neat thing to have, though. And then over here, it might be hard to see, but there's this little board I've got plugged into the DE10 Nano. And that's my RAM board. And this one is getting more complicated now because they're, they're pushing Correct. the hardware further. So right now I've got 32 megabytes which would have been a lot back in my day, but right. that's, that's it. But now it's going up to what, 128? 128 megabyte is the biggest one, and uh, 64 is the one that should handle almost everything, but you need 128 just for Neo Geo games, and not all of them, just some of the, the larger ones. And I would recommend, if you're interested in this, um, when you get home, uh, go to the Mr. GitHub page. It's got, it's so good, the documentation on this, for both for people that want to program for this platform, but also just to get into it. I did a live stream thinking that it was going to be one of my disastrous live streams where I look like an idiot, and I was actually able to get it working on the first shot. It uh, basically runs off an SD card like your Raspberry Pi does. The process of getting it working is very similar to that, mm-hmm. um, and they've been making it so much better over time. Uh, now there's a script that I run when I first boot it up, and it goes out and grabs every core and updates everything automatically. It's, it's magic, so it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, there's a bunch of sites now starting to support the community. Mr. Add-ons is one of them where you can right. get a lot of these things, cases and uh, RAM boards and that sort of thing as well. So um, this is one of these projects that is just a fun winter thing to do, like just lock yourself in your house and get, get going with it. And once you start playing with it, you will never want to go back. So this is the main menu. Now, what we're not going to cover too much today are the classic computers, but it can do, um, you want it to be a Commodore 64, I can, I can do that for you. Boom, you've got a Commodore, hopefully, 64, there it is, um, and you can run all your Commodore stuff. The, the Commodore Core and the Amiga Core, a lot of these um, older computers are really well replicated here, and it's amazing how good it is, especially on the audio side. Um, what we're going to do, though, is just go into the consoles, and I thought I would start off with uh, my favorite here, ColecoVision. Um, there you go. Every kid in my school had ColecoVision. Were you a ColecoVision kid? You were Connecticut also. Uh, no, no, I think, I'm, I think I'm just like a year or two younger than you, so I started no. out right <laughs> after that. That wasn't a dig, by the way. <laughs> That's right. I feel young. You know? yeah, yeah. And being here with video game enthusiasts like myself, it's good. Um, so we just hit a button, and it became a ColecoVision. Um, pretty cool. We'll wait for burger time to load up and here. Any, so any retro enthusiast that's into Coleco, your heart probably just sank, because in order to get it to look this good through HDMI or even through analog is a lot of money and a lot of work. So just being able to press a button and have a perfect ColecoVision is pretty impressive. It's amazing. I was, I was thinking about trying to get my Coleco working again, and then I got this, and I was good. I would show you the game, but I don't have everything mapped properly, and we are short on time. So we're going to, but you get the idea. Um, the next thing I want to do is the NES. And one of the things that you can do when you have an FPGA is bring in a lot of the other things that you could do on a cartridge. Um, So for example, and hopefully this audio will work properly, I have uh, the Castlevania 3 game, which in Japan had a custom audio chip, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So we can load that up real quick here. 
and just go into the game here and you can hear the audio working properly. And what's cool about it, if I can... See, nothing ever works when it's supposed to. <laughs> um, there we go. Does this sound right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you get a feel for that. And you can do the... Um, It's a great soundtrack, isn't it? Great soundtrack. And that's just off a of ROM, right? So um, let's see if I can get one of these things working here. This is pushing my luck because this is the floppy disk system, which I didn't test last night. So it can do that, I believe, right? Yeah. So yeah. The, the thing that's pretty amazing about this is because it's a recreation of original hardware and original chips, there's a team of people now working on things like, do you want the Genesis Core to sound like a Model 1 or a Model 2? You know, which version of the Famicom audio do you want to listen to? So it's a true recreation of the original and even different versions of the original. And we can load up that Genesis Core real quick and show you that, I believe. Let's see. I think I have to... Oh, I had the wrong thing. i got to go back and load up another console. Sometimes your system will um, need a little reboot every once in a while, but generally it works pretty, pretty well here. Yeah, that's the other reason why I like the I.O. board, because any time I have any issues, I just press the button, and off there you go. go. <laughs> now, I believe they got virtual racing working, um, and then it keeps defaulting to my... Uh, Mine does that, too. You have yeah. to yeah, reset it to U.S. or it won't work. Right, so let's do a reset here. It may not work, because I was having trouble getting it to work last... Oh, there it goes. It didn't work last night, but now it's working. Now, what's unique about this game is, what, this had a separate chip on it, right? Right, so this is now an FPGA recreation of both all the chips on the Genesis as well as the custom chip in Virtua Racing. So it's, it's doubling down. And you can see all the options that we have here. There's, um, I believe, that option to set the audio filter is in this menu somewhere here. Yeah, Model 1, right. so I could set it to an, uh, a Model 2 filter. Um, they've got a lot of great HDMI filters also as well, so you can smooth things out a little bit. And, and it's not like that emulation smoothing where it's like awful or not awful. This one, it's got varying degrees of adjustment that you can make. So there's a lot of great stuff. Our projector here will not really give you an idea as to how no. that works, but this is the kind of stuff you can do with it. And again, everything is being very accurately uh, represented here. Um, let's go take a look. And it's funny, too, with all the blue backgrounds, anybody that's tried to use um, unmodified Genesis consoles on digital screens notice those jail bar streaks. But because all of it's recreated in FPGA, there isn't any physical interference between them. So you get the same performance, but with none of the uh, interference or jail bars on there. And what's really cool is the Turbo Graphics Core is also doing Super Graphics, which was a very short-lived project. Now, a funny story about this. When I was a kid... I should have stuck with this. When I was 13, I had a cable access show about video games. And if you go on my channel, you can find an interview I did in a suit interviewing a guy from a game store. Um, and we were talking about all the new stuff coming out. Uh, and I should have stuck with it. But this uh, store was in the town next over from me, and they had a super graphics. And I was going over there to like record footage and everything. It was pretty wild. That's awesome. So pretty cool, right? I mean, it's just that simple um, once you get it set up. All right, so the next thing we wanted to do uh, is the Super Nintendo Core, because there's some new developments here, too, mm -hmm. right? So we're going to pull up uh, Star Fox 2, which was a Super FX game. Correct. And they've done that now. That wasn't initially in there, but now it is, right? Um, all of the open source work from people that have worked on the SD to SNES has been ported over, or is in the midst of being ported over. So yeah, this is all, this is all happening because a group of people are sharing their research with everybody else. And it looks good. And back in the day, this was really revolutionary stuff, right? Absolutely, yeah. 
And what do you think for, for like a real accurate, is there are some really accurate emulators on the PC. What oh, would you yeah. need hardware-wise for that, do you think? So the, the creator of Beastess, which is also called Hygen for some reason sometimes, and uh, it's, uh, he did a full analysis of it, and you would still need one of the fastest computers on the market now to get a perfect recreation in high def or in 4K. Um, so it's, I mean, you would need an incredibly fast computer to get a flawless emulation of this on, via software. And with this, you're looking at what, like maybe um, about, uh, let me see if I can find the volume here. Oh, there we go. There you go. Uh, for this, you're looking at maybe what, with a RAM board and a heat sink, probably what, about 200 bucks maybe? I'd say budget for about $200 for that, but yeah, absolutely. And so for $200, you can do what it would take normally a much more expensive PC to replicate perfectly. And it's funny is that if, you were, if you're really into the Raspberry Pi, as I am, because I think there's a lot of great things you can do with it, if you were to plug this in and play a game and then go back to the Pi, I think you'll notice the difference. And it's funny, too, because... Uh, there was a time I, I was doing a review of a smartphone, and I was noticing that the Bluetooth controller lag was pretty bad. And I, it took me down this rabbit hole of doing more and more of this input lag stuff. And I don't do it as well as, as Bob does here, but it was remarkable when you really start looking at the actual figures here, the differences, because your TV introduces a lot of lag too, right? Absolutely. Any, any flat-screen TV, TV will introduce latency. It's just a matter of how much and uh, but your average will. Your average is about uh, 30 milliseconds, 30 to 40, which is about two frames. Now, how much can you do on the FPGA here? Would we ever see a Sega Saturn on this? That's unlikely only because of how complicated the Saturn itself is with the dual chips. It's not impossible, but it's not likely to happen soon. Um, you'll probably see up to PlayStation 1 on it, not PlayStation 2. Um, and that's in the FPGA in its current form. Uh, but luckily, once you start to get past that, you know, when we talk about software emulation and needing things immediately with no milliseconds of delay, any of the consoles from the PS2 era on use a frame buffer itself. So as the information is passing through the console, um, one full frame is buffered before it hits the video chip. So something like that, in the future, you would be able to emulate it differently and better than you would older consoles because you have that time to spare. And I think that's the, the big point, too, is that the developers are accounting for that buffer. So they're thinking right. about how, and I was, I was reading something about Dead Cells, how they programmed that game to really almost assume that there's going to be some lag and have some autopilot that kicks in. So you, you, have, you, you enjoy the game, and it's giving you some, some of, a, of a little bit of leeway in when you push the button versus when something happens. But these games right. were developed for immediate Exactly. So you play something like Mega Man or Mega Man 2 through uh, Raspberry Pi on a flat screen, it's almost impossible because all of those things are supposed to be timed exactly at the same time. But you play Shovel Knight on the Switch, uh, and it's, it's still challenging and it's still awesome, but you don't have to worry about that because they, they make it challenging in different ways and are very forgiving in the controller lag and video lag side. And what would you say if, if you were, were going to build the perfect FPGA living room? Um, are there TVs out there that are better, better than others for input lag? Yeah, and you don't have to spend a lot at all. I just I did a video last year on that. I had access to two TVs. There's obviously a lot more than two, but you could um, using uh, a device called the Time Sleuth. Uh, you could plug it into a TV. It's you could even power it with a USB charger, so you could walk into Best Buy and plug in all their TVs and drive the staff crazy. But you could actually find uh, like an LG and TCL have models of TVs that are less than a frame of lag, and I think I got mine my 40 inch for like 230 dollars. Oh, wow! So you don't need to spend a ridiculous. 
them out. And a lot of computer monitors are even lower latency than that. Then you know you're obviously stuck with now 24 inch for about the same price. But you don't need to spend a lot of money. You still get a little bit of that LCD motion blur, but that doesn't that doesn't affect the experience. It just changes the look. Whereas a laggy TV would absolutely change the experience. Right. Absolutely. Now, the, I think probably the most advanced console that the Mister can do right now is the Neo Geo. Absolutely. And this is where the this is what's driving now the RAM to go beyond 32 megabytes. Why do you need so much RAM? Is it the games themselves? That the games themselves and the amount of video memory they use. And this this was made possible by um, a group of people from all around the world. Uh, and the person who who really drove this project, uh, his online name is Furtech, and he was able to recreate the Neo Geo by having the top layer of the Neo Geo's chip microscopically uh, severed off and then looked at it under a microscope to recreate the way the chip went oh, really? on the FPGA. So he actually reverse engineered the... Yeah. The, the, no. the team of people that are working behind this are so smart, it hurts my brain. <laughs> I'm, I'm very lucky I get to be friends with some of them. And you've got to think about just the, the fact that they just love this. Right. This is not. A, they're not. You know, they can't actually sell this, right? Because that would probably. Be no, no. And the, most of the people contributing are, are wholeheartedly committed to open source. So you know, if somebody ever makes different hardware for it, cool, sell it away. But everything that's programmed on this is free to use and for everybody to share amongst each other. And that's why you can get things like virtual racing now working on the Mega SD. And actually, they they shared some of that with the analog team. Is that right? Because that. Uh, I don't know about analog. Analog is Capitris. analog can do it now, right? Like the wasn't there some swap of something? Maybe no, I'm it's wrong. Uh, the Mega SD, the ROM right. card can right. do it. I don't think the uh, analog Mega SG can do it. Okay, got it. Because it's uh, Kevin. Uh, Kevin's a friend of mine, and he's uh, he does all of these things himself, for better or worse. So he he doesn't ever want to use anybody else's code. So if he did virtual racing, that would mean that he did it by himself. So and if you ever want to really dive into this, look at some of the interviews that Kev Tris has done because he he lives. I, I think his brain works as an FPGA. <laughs> listening to him talk, yeah. and that's not disparagingly. I think he's just an absolute mad scientist when it comes to these things. And it's funny if you watch the in-person interview I did with him. The moment I turned off the camera, he's just so much fun and talkative, and then I hit record again, and it's, yes. <laughs> I asked him why, and he goes, I don't think anybody cares about what I do. I'm like, dude, you're a hero you're to hero so many of us. Right. <laughs> everybody cares. And I think he's really the driving force behind this, because I think people started thinking about this. Because the MIST project, so the MIST-DER is the continuation of the MIST project, which was mostly focused, I think, on computers, right? Yeah, so Kevin's been doing this by himself for since the 90s in some form or another, uh, and the MIST project came out. But I think because of the company Analog run by uh, Chris Tabor, I think uh, he has a knack for marketing where he should win an award for that. So I think Chris <laughs> being able to market Kevin's products kind of brought FPGA to the mainstream, and that's what brought so much attention to uh, the MISTER project, and now with the DE10 Nano, something that should be four or $500, that's, what did it say, 130 or 140 yeah, yeah. on Amazon? I think the combination of those things is what brought all these people together. Now, I want to show you just how cool this Neo Geo thing is. So there are some games you can run at 32 megabytes. We're going to push the envelope here. Uh, so we'll start off with, not all these work here, so we'll start off with Baseball Stars 2 here and see how that comes together. Um, and you have to get your own BIOSes and everything, and uh, hopefully the sound works. There we go. Brings me back to my college uh, cafeteria. <laughs> this game was running constantly in, uh, <laughs> in, the, in the dining hall. 
But I mean, it's it's pretty much perfect. If my button absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm, I should have mapped my controls before I started the, uh, the, the demo today. But you know what's striking to me about this? Let me turn the volume down here. Um, that one. There you go. What's striking about this is that you don't you don't remember all of the flaws of the original system. So, for example, when you're playing a game like Metal Slug, which slows down a lot. Oh, Metal Slug too. It has its own the the way the game is programmed. It's laggy by itself, even on original hardware. And and you don't remember that, right? So because all you remember is that $800 thing at the at the store you'd never right. be able to buy, um, or the arcade game. Um, and then you put it on this thing, and you're thinking, boy, this thing's really slow. Until you start looking at some game play videos of the actual hardware and sure enough right. it's so it's really accurate could they speed it up do you think are there things they could do to absolutely. make it absolutely there's hacks of it um, that you could even put on uh, real hardware that that speed it up and make it more efficient it's funny because one of the lag tests I did when I was uh, for a Neo Geo project I got a video coming out next month I used Metal Slug 2 to test input latency and uh, Smoke Monster I'm sure if, if you're into the mystery you've heard his name kind of laughed at me like you picked the laggiest Neo Geo game ever <laughs> to test lag you're going to be there forever counting the milliseconds seconds. <laughs> but it was really remarkable to me to, to see this working because this the Neo Geo was a very complex, I'm guessing it was a complex system to, to oh, do this way. Yeah. So, and it, this is not, you know, and it's not like they started with an emulation base. They, they started from scratch. And, and Smoke Monster said to me, I don't know if this is, this is probably, this is probably the case if he, if he said it is, um, that you could take your FPGA design and actually make a chip out of it. Yeah, so that um, that is uh, so. I'm going to oversimplify this. So if there's any devs here, please don't smack me in the face there's afterwards. One here. But, <laughs> um, you could take the FPGA design, which is basically a blueprint of what the chips would be like, and you could uh, spin that off onto something called an ASIC. Um, it's complicated and expensive to do, but if you do that, yes. And that's anybody that's ever played those very junky Super Nintendo or anything with the word Hyperkin on it. If you plug, if you plug a <laughs> oh, NES cartridge or a, a SNES cartridge there. into it, it's the, it plays terribly. The colors are off, the sound's off, and that's because somebody took, essentially, a bad FPGA implementation and put it on one little chip. So the opposite of that, you could work with the Mr. Team and take that and put it on a chip to do that. And once again, it's very complicated and expensive. But yes, you could have a clone console that works great for, you know, but it's a big investment, which is why you don't see people taking the risk yet. Right, absolutely. And this is all open source, too. So if you wanted to learn how to do this... Yeah, and once again, the Mr. Team is 100% behind anybody that wants to do any of their own hardware as long as you follow the open source rules. You have to share back everything that you do with people. So, but I mean, if you make an, if you spent the hundred grand to make an ASIC, build a console with your own plastic and sell it, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, you'd have to, you'd be fine giving the software part back, but you'd have to make your profit off of that too. So, right, absolutely. But it looks great, right? I mean, this is, mm -hmm. and, you, and if you can see it on a, on a regular uh, HDMI, it's really re pretty remarkable. So. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how it all works. Um, and what we have is about 20 minutes or so. So I'd love to have an opportunity for some Q&A with all of you. I'd love to have things where we can actually interface with people. So yes, sir. Um, I have two questions. Um, for my first one, it's for RetroRGB. Um, you mentioned Hyperkin a lot, and I have experience with them. I got the Retron 5 as a little transition to like the FPGA consoles later on. Um, is there a chance that a company like that will start to do like FPGA consoles the proper way and not just like the crappy ones like, for example, like the crappy pound cables or 
like some of the cheaper alternatives? I really hope so. I really hope. Um, so one of the developers for Hyperkin is actually a very good person, and he's trying very hard to get them to to not be Hyperkin. Um, but it's a it's a hard battle. And at the end of the day, it's if you have a bunch of people around a boardroom that don't know or like video games, they're going to say, well, why would we make this for forty dollars cost when we could make it for eight dollars cost and we're already selling them? So I really hope so. But I don't think it would be a company like Hyperkin because that would require them to completely change their mentality. I think a newcomer might step up and uh, and really become that. And Analog's really trying to do that. Um, they're just they're walking the line between collectors' items and, and consumer grade amazingness, which is why I'm so hard on them because it can go it, you can go both ways with that. But uh, I obviously always sing Analog praise, but they could do it if they had if you know if they wanted to. Do you think that the retro game market could potentially have a crash with like the FPGAs and the flashcards and all these new devices coming in? I think it's a matter of preserving, you know, we preserve the software, legally or not, the software is preserved for the most part, but preserving the hardware and how the logic works, I think, is really where, the, where I think this is going. Um, the, the retro market itself is a tough thing, because I, I, I do more than just retro stuff on my YouTube channel, and, and to be honest with you, most of my views and my revenue comes from things other than this stuff. I do this because I love it. Um, and I think when looking at the consumer market and looking how people search for things, there's a lot of value in the IP of the software, which is why we're seeing all this stuff on the Switch and everywhere else. I think that there is a market for this. I think as, as people age and they miss this stuff, there's going to be a desire for higher quality. I mean, analog is sustainable. They wouldn't be putting out right. stuff if they weren't. Um, so I don't see a crash, but I do see things changing to the fact that perhaps consumers will demand something better than what they pick up at Walgreens, right? I mean, I think that's... Agreed. And... Um, and We've already seen this type of exact progression in the classic car industry. So if, if you just want to get in your car and go, but you like the look of a 69 Camaro, go buy a brand new Camaro. But if you want the experience of the older car and, you know, the pump the gas and pray that it starts and, you know, like <laughs> if you really, if that's what you want to do, then you could still do that. And I think um, game consoles are going to be the same thing. If you want to experience Metal Slug in the perfect way possible, as easy as possible, grab a Mr. But if you really want the experience of plugging your, your game cartridge in, or for me personally, Neo Geo is a stand-up cab. Like, I don't have one, but that's, you know, that, that would be my preferable way to, to experience that. So You have to get another apartment with you. Right. <laughs> so you're saying that it's more like a cable in a way. If you want, like, a high-quality cable but don't want to spend a lot, you get the cheaper one. But if you want a much better one, you would get, like, the analog deck or one of those mm -hmm. Yeah, I think people will buy, you know, there's always a market for enthusiasts, and there's also people that either don't have the budget or just aren't that passionate about it. You know, my sister got me a handheld, uh, um, what was that, uh, At Games Atari thing, because she didn't know what else to get me. So, no comment on that. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, curiosity, I've got the retro USB, I've got a Super NT, I plan on getting the Mega SG, and based on Kevin's last video, of course, I'm going to see an FPGA gameplay. I honestly, I didn't know much about the Mister itself, but looking at it, I have to ask: Is there a particular value of buying the individual analog systems, or going to move the Mister here that seems to be able to do pretty much the same thing? And yeah, um, at the moment today, so this might change, but yes, because any of the analog consoles, you could use your original cartridges. 
and you just buy it and plug it in, and that is your setup. Just plug it in. Whereas the Mister, you have to do a little bit of tinkering. Um, if you can do a Raspberry Pi, this is actually easier, but you still have to tinker, and you still can't, at least today, use your original carts. So if that's important to you, original cartridges and not having to waste time setting up, which as much as I love being a nerd, it does frustrate me if I have to take an hour just to play something. Right. So, but you know, for the record, though, once the Mister set up, you saw how smoothly it runs, of course. But yeah, original carts and ease of use. And they're pretty. I mean, they're, I always pre, uh, praise Ernesto's designs, um, the, um, you know, the, the mechanical engineer who designs the cases. I really like the way the, all the analog consoles look, too. And I'll say, too, there's something about when you have friends over, taking the thing out, plugging the controllers in, and hitting the button and having it work. You know, because I have friends that love video games, they hate all the other crap. So when they come over and I'm going through menus and stuff, they're like, come on, just play the damn game already. So I think having, you know, having that, there's a real nostalgic feel to like just having the wired controllers in and sitting on the floor and playing some games. And I think that's the value of the analog consoles. And what I've actually been doing with the, I'm, I'm kind of like all my wife's friends, because um, all of her friends' husbands are about my age and we all had the same video games as kids. I've been really pushing them to like, Go get this for for your husband because he loved these games. It'll be it'd be the best gift ever because <laughs> it's so simple to set up and plug in. Start here and go back up. Yep. Kind of just building off what you just said on that, with kind of having your friends come over, plug and play, get it going, right? So is that a priority for the Mister Project, getting like a not like a graphical user interface or something like that, but like simplifying it to a way to. Yeah, where, where I'll, I'll answer this one. Go ahead, yeah. Every time I talk to my friend Jamie, I always throw a, a dig in there about, and when am I going to get a GUI that doesn't drive me crazy? So uh, <laughs> they're, you know, they're, they're right now worried about making sure that the project is sustainable, that it, it's able to grow. And, but there are a group of people that are as frustrated as, as I am because I grew up having to use command line. I'm sure most of us here probably did too. So I don't want to do that anymore. I paid my dues. <laughs> now I just want to press there. a button. But yeah, they're, they're working on it, but it's not as big of a priority to them because they're striving for things like shaving the top off of a Neo Geo chip to make sure they have a flawless recreation of it. So from that perspective of it, that's cool. They continue doing the thing, but they are working on it. Mind you there. So feeding off of these same comments, you, you mentioned um, you know, if you're looking at a Mr. for now, you can't use original cartridges. Have you heard thoughts of some way to do that? Are there people trying to figure out a way that you could use? Absolutely. Okay. And it's possible, right? You can plug anything into this thing. So. Oh, yeah. There, there's yeah. already been, um, like, demo dev things just to prove that it could happen. It's just... You know, like I said before, it's a lot of money to invest in something, and especially when you're investing in something that has to rely on Intel continuing to sell the DE10 Nano and you know other people supporting it, and so it's it's going to happen. It's just it's the same thing with the controller adapters, and same thing with the JAMA adapter. They're all going to happen. It's just going to take a while, and it's going to take somebody to. It's going to take a company that doesn't mind not making that big of a profit to step up and do it. So. I wonder if somebody at Intel is noticing the uptick in sales of these things. I hope not. <laughs> this, this is going to blow up real quick. So go ahead. Yes, sir. Uh, question. Um, you think they could be continue working on the LL Cooljoy, or you think the blister is kind of taking over that? So let me talk about what those things are. Right, go for I don't it. know. You know what they are. Oh, um, so the LL Cooljoy is uh, an adapter. Um, I don't know if it's a replacement for the I.O. board or if it attaches onto it, but it allows you to use original controllers with as low latency as possible in its current setup. So all of the controller adapters are going to be less than a frame of lag, so that's cool. Uh, and the blister is... 
a project that allows you to use um, the USB adapters, but not using the USB protocols. The so same thing, you could take a controller from any old console, use these adapters by, made by the company Blissbox, and then plug it right in. Um, and they're both, they're both great, uh, but the blister is available now, and the LL Cooljoy is coming at some point. Um, but yeah, that's that's something I, I annoy. I don't know why some of these people stay friends with me, but that's something I annoy <laughs> Jamie with all the time is obsessing over which one's got four milliseconds versus six milliseconds, and how is that going to affect gameplay, and what can we do? And so there's more coming, but those are great choices now, and I think the blister is available from the same website Lon showed before, MrAdams.com. Second question: um, There's a second SD card slot on the I/O board. Uh, you think they'll actually use useless now? It's, uh, it was originally there for things like floppy drive emulation, but the team behind the Mister figured out how to do that virtually, so there's no need to do that. that, that if you know, if you have an I/O board and you're already using it that way, don't change. But you don't need to worry about that now anymore if you don't. And that's the one thing with this, by the way. There's a lot of ports that you're not going to use on it. Um, so, for example, and this is where it gets a little trickier versus the analog console. So you can see right here, I've got one of those USB OTG cables plugged in, yeah. and there's a little micro SD uh, micro USB port there. That's very fragile. You got to be careful with it, right? Yeah. So I just leave that plugged in all the time. Then I have it going out to this cheap Amazon hub. And the, the other reason why you want to be careful is that the power supply for the Mister is like what you would use on your tablet: it's two amps, five volts. So you could very easily over. It's not going to break anything, but you could very easily overload that USB port. So you have to have a powered hub of some kind plugged in, and that can bring you some input lag also, depending on how good or not the hub is. So I'm guessing my Amazon Basics here is not going to be it's probably a, fine. Actually, is it okay? Good. So yeah, the only it. thing that, that always annoys me is sometimes uh, you'll get Wi-Fi modules that work and won't, and you could buy the same uh, the same not powered USB hub and the same exact Wi-Fi module. You could buy three of each from Amazon, and randomly one will work and the rest won't. Yeah, I had that and, problem. Um, yeah, yeah. I still. So it is always better to use a powered hub, and uh, I believe Mr. Addons even has like a bottom stack for it that builds the hub right into it to make it easier for people. Yes, sir. Yeah, this is more of a comment than a question. One of the things I like about Mr. so much is the ability to, to mess around with like old computer systems that I didn't have a chance to when I was a kid, like the Amiga. <laughs> uh, my first computer was an Atari 400, mm -hmm. so I like to mess around with that, but it's kind of neat just to go in and see what you can do. I've really enjoyed playing around with it. And one of the things that I've been doing with this, because if you get me going on computers, we'll be here for the rest of the <laughs> afternoon. But um, they have, a, they have uh, everything. You can see the list of computers that are supported here, some better than others. So you have like a Mac Plus even, so you can load up some old Mac things on there. Um, there's a 486 uh, core that lets you run Windows 95. How about that? But it does, um, it does, this is like, I, I, no other place in the world can I say that and people be like, oh, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> so thank you for this. But um, what's great about it is that they, they have some really cool things linked in with the, so the, the Mr. actually has an ARM processor on the same die, if I'm not mistaken, as the FPGA or on the same package. So there's a Linux subsystem that's running behind the FPGA. And you can actually set up a virtual terminal emulator. So you can go, this is going to get way off here, folks, but you can load up a terminal program like you would use to access a BBS back in the day, former sysop here. You can dial out with a standard Hayes AT command to a IP address, and you can connect to Telnet BBSs and also run a BBS. You can take calls in and have calls go out. 
Um, it's really cool. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff that they're doing with this, and it, and everyone's you know got their different focuses for projects. So as much effort has been making been made on the on the consoles, you have a lot of computer stuff happening. I've been really having fun exploring the Commodore 64 because we had an Apple II at home. So my dad was using it for his business at the time, and all my friends had this Commodore computer, and I, I could only play the games when I went to their house. So I've been going back through that back catalog. Uh, the Amiga has been really fun to explore because that was like another worship worthy computer back in the day. Um, I want an Apple II GS core, which is not there yet, but maybe I'll learn. So, yes, sir. Yeah, um, when the Polymega was first announced, they said FPGA. Why did they step away from that? Like, what was the problem with that? So the um, the the best. I, I'm sorry to like self shamelessly self promote, but the best thing you could do is just check out the interview I did with Brian, the CEO of Polymega. Um, it clears all of that stuff up, as well as clears some of the misconceptions up, including the things that I said that were absolutely I was wrong. I I'd, I'd kind of looked at looked at the Polymega and said this feels like it's going to be this. It's not. So please check that out. It answers everybody's questions. It's still not out, but um, the, the, it's a genuine team behind it. They just. Uh, you know, they're market. They need a marketing department, but it's it's a it has a place. It's gonna it's gonna do a good job for Sorry, what it is. Sorry, I'm putting windows up there, not laughing at you. Um, it's okay. Go yeah. ahead and laugh at me. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> but you got windows, and your mouse works, and you can do all sorts of stuff. I, I used to do a I, I, my high school newspaper. I did on Ami Pro on on, and I loaded up all my old high school stuff in here. It's really cool. I'm a, a digital pack rat. You had a question, sir? So uh, yeah, comment and a question. First of all, it's really snappy as you load all the different. Um, all different systems on there. Like I have the Terra Onion Neo SD. Some mm-hmm. of the games take four or five minutes sometimes to load. And even with the Neo Geo ones, you're loading them quickly. But my, my question is regarding FPGAs in general, is there a physical limit to how many times you can write and rewrite uh, the chip? Because I know like a lot of solid state media, over time you get decreased performance and eventually it'll, it'll die. I don't believe so, right? That, that's an excellent question. It's the first time anybody's ever asked that question. So my that's, wife asked that question. <laughs> that is like, awesome. I want to get this. She's like, well, will it wear out? I, I don't think so because you're. I, I think it, they have these things called logic logic cells. Is that what they call them? Yeah. Yes. See how much Thanks. I know about this? I know nothing about it. Uh, they have these, these logic cells, and those those are what are on the silicon, and so the code is actually directing data through those. So I don't think you wear them out. Um, is it physical, like on some molecular scale? Yeah, it's like a. It's, it's a. Everything wears out. At, at, at some point, I guess if you put enough heat and electricity through yeah. it over time. Um, I'm going to follow up with that one. Yeah, that's, that's a good an question. Interesting thing. We should ask Smoke Monster about that and see if he has any ideas. I'm going to reboot it because it doesn't like it when you uh, use the Windows core there. Um, but you can get a feel for it. Yeah, it's actually, it's very accurate. You even get the blue screen of death and stuff. That's normal, by the way. That screen's normal when it boots up. That's the boot up, by the way. That's how quick it boots up. So, oh, there's arcade cores. We didn't even talk about that. Um, any other questions before we show you arcades real quick? So I got a couple of them on. Yes, sir. Generally speaking, mister, it's the first time I'm, I, forgive me, I haven't been following you guys as closely as I did years past, but everything going on with mister to me is new. So can you just talk about the team behind it and just real quick, Sure. I, I always get embarrassed, though, because I always forget a couple of bigger players in this, and then I always feel like a total idiot. But it's, I guess the best way to talk about it is in general. It stemmed from uh, another project that's uh, called Mist, which is where you get Mister from. Uh, and the, there's a bunch of people right now that are all centered around it. And people help at different levels for different things. But it's this project was started by Sorleg, who's uh, out of Russia, I believe. Um, and then you know you, there's a lot of people that contribute their own 
on cores, but uh, Yotego is another person who's been working on arcade cores, and he's getting them perfect. Uh, Furtech was the one that did the Neo Geo core. Uh, my friend Jamie kind of uh, Risha puts all of the. Uh, that contributes a lot of the stuff, that, the glue that sticks it all together, as well as a lot of the internal code. Um, and uh, my friend Ash, uh, he starts a lot of projects and then lets, lets the ball go rolling. And uh, There's a lot of people involved in this, and uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting most of them. My apologies to everybody that I missed, but it's, it's a global team of people that all just care about making this perfect and sharing it. And it's really fun to see people focus in on different parts of the project because it is it, there's, there's the sky's the limit as to what they can do with it. So uh, you had a question. Yeah, there. I see you have uh, Arkanoid there. Mm -hmm. Do they have uh, actual paddle controller like ability? Yeah, the mouse support is there, so uh, you could use a mouse for now. And they're working on different types of controllers, including light guns, by the way, if you're on a CRT, of course. Like, and people. Like, has there been anything for like using like Atari, like either a driving controller or uh, paddle controller? They're working on every one of those things. So it's it's going to be once I get a, a blister, which is the question from before, I'll be able to start putting a lot of those to the test. Um, for me, the, the biggest problem for me is time. I would love to just spend a weekend annoying my, my friends on the Mr. Team, <laughs> troubleshooting and giving them all the feedback. Um, so hopefully the, uh, more people can start jumping in to help out. But it's every one of those should be able to work at some point. And people are building these into arcade cabinets now, too, because of just how accurate they are. So it's, a, it's a great replacement there. Yes, sir. Um, I know this is one Metro LGB really was hammering analog for, but... What are your thoughts on the recently announced DAC that you've been waiting for? Well, I mean, just to, just to clarify, my, my rant was just about the shipping, the shipping and, and everything else. I mean, it, just, it performs perfectly. Like you mentioned how you were waiting for the analog dev, they kept promising, and you were like, where is it? It's been like a couple years. Where is it? Oh, I might, I might have teased that, but I knew, uh, I knew the development cycle of it. It's, uh, it's coming out early next year, and it allows you to take any of their consoles, including the ones that are rumored to come out but not officially announced yet, and plug it into any CRT and get full CRT performance, including light guns and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a very cool thing, and it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where if you just sit back and have a think about your whole setup, it's either for you or it's not for you, but it'll be pretty obvious. And if it is for you, it's gonna perform, it performs perfect. I just tried to get Donkey Kong to load up, but Nintendo must have got word yep. that we were doing that. <laughs> oh, you are? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I would like to think I'm friends with Kevin. Maybe I'm just that guy that's always pestering him, pulling out his, you know, his coat, trying to tag along. But yeah, I'd like to think I am with Kevin. Or maybe have some insight if they're going to ever release the re-release the so I have no insight in that. Kevin's always really good at telling, not telling me things that he's not supposed to. Uh, <laughs> but there is a public um, uh, trademark thing, filing right? yeah, for, yeah. for what seems to be a new, uh, I would guess, would be a new Nintendo. I don't know that. It's public info, so you can look it up yourself. But I would think that they're making one of these for just NES and Famicom, but that won't have all the other cores on it. That's only my guess, though. Yeah, so hopefully it would be, so it, what happened was Analog began life kind of recreating 
consoles from, from donor hardware, essentially, right? They were taking the old yeah. NES. Neo Geo and, and NES, right. right, yeah. So they then made a, uh, an FPGA NES, the, the uh, NT Mini, which is one of my favorite consoles of all time because they also had a jailbroken uh, firmware that lets you run just about every console from the 80s on it, including the ColecoVision, by the yeah, way. Yeah, all cores uh, written by Kevin himself. Yep, Kevin oh, did man. it and yeah. just magically appeared out there one day. Um, so I'd love for, to see that one return. That makes a lot of sense for them to do, and, and I think uh, there's a handheld that they registered also. So. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Great. We got time for maybe one or two more questions. Yes, sir. You mentioned light guns a moment ago and the possibility of us seeing them working on these. We know the difficulties of trying to do that on the flat screen technology for the older systems. When you talk about that, are you talking about something that they're actively developing or are you referring to like sending technology? Active, actively developing for use on CRTs. That you can use light guns on flat screens using exact stuff that you just mentioned. Basically, it's a way to emulate the light gun by using a sensor that kind of kind of like a Wiimote type of thing. And the Mister Team's working on that as well. They have a, a couple of demos out of things where you just buy like a cheap, almost like a Wii sensor type of thing, and you could use it that way on a flat screen. And it's it's pretty good. Right. We have time for one more. Well, once going twice. Yes, sir. Okay, uh, follow up to the whole um, um, using light guns. Can you use like uh, the bliss box or the blister to connect like an NES light gun? I haven't tested yet. That's one of the ones that I really wanted to work on, um, and it is absolutely possible. I think. I can't remember off the top of my head because I talked to the, talk to the crew a lot, but I think they got it working. Um, but I'm not 100% sure, but I'll absolutely be following up on that soon. Because when it can, I mean, that would be pretty... It, it, not only would it be awesome, but it would also be cool if you could just use one light gun for everything, like a NES for SMS, for Genesis, wherever else. I, that, that's my wish, by the way. Don't no, no one walk away from this thinking it's happening. That's, but I will, be, I will be asking them if that's something we could implement once we've proved light guns are working perfect on it. What's that? We bought. I don't know. I couldn't hear you. So I'm sorry. I'm gonna try that because I got my level shifter working the other day, so I can actually test that out. Oh, awesome. Okay. Great. Well, Bob, where can people find you on YouTube? RetroRGB.com, and then everything is at RetroRGB. It's a website, podcast, and a YouTube channel with videos and stuff on it. So, and once you get into his channel, it's going to cost you a lot of time and money. But so it, everybody tells me. It's, uh, it's good stuff. And you can find me at Lon.tv. I want to thank you all for coming out. We, I think we got everything accomplished. In yeah, the, thank you so yeah. much, Lon, for having me on here. This was awesome. This was great. It was great to be here with you. And um, is any, everyone, does this make sense now, everybody? You got a good, this is good? Excellent. So buy your misters and tell us about it. And then uh, we can connect to my BBS and uh, chat with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Does the MCPA allow you to put up the BBS and make it available now? That is in development, they said. So. <laughs> All right. Thank you all. This channel was brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including Gold Level supporters, the Four Guys with Quarters podcast, Chris Allegretta, Tom Albrecht. Mike Talbert, Brian Parker, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month.
Head over to lon.tv slash support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.